0: Have you ever had a question for your pastor that is so off the wall that you're afraid to ask? Well I'm here to ask for you. I'm your host Hunter Bryn and this is Thousand Question Christian. Here's how it's gonna work. Each week I'm gonna bring in two guest pastors and I'm gonna ask them questions in three different categories. One's gonna be a stump the pastor. Kind of questions, so imagine questions maybe atheists or agnostics might ask, or just general questions about Christianity. Two, we are going to dive into some of the weird stuff in the Bible, some of the weird Bible verses, some of the weird Bible stories, and just kind of dive into what those mean and why they're in the Bible. Three is going to be a space for me to ask for pastoral advice, where we will talk generally about subjects like prayer, dealing with grief, and aspects of faith. Today I'm joined by.
1: Hi, I am Reverend Nikki Moreno-Howard, and I am the Associate Director of Learning here for the Virginia Conference.
2: Hey, and I'm Reverend Joshua McCauley. I'm the Associate Pastor uh, at Duncan Memorial on the campus of uh, Randolph-Macon, and I am actually uh, here in about two months on my way down to Norfolk uh, to be the uh, campus minister and director down at uh, Ignite Norfolk. Uh, Cool. And now, is there
0: already something out? Is it ODU? Is right, that, uh, okay. Old Dominion yep.
2: University. So,
0: is there anything now at ODU, or is you going to be starting fresh?
2: Um, so, that's uh, is that a sore subject? Interesting. No, this just, it's yeah. been through uh, a lot of transition. Yeah, there's a yeah. Well, yeah. Fresh so we're going to be starting some some new stuff down there, and uh, cool. Going Sorry to there. put you on the spot there. No. There's a
1: there's a part time pastor there right oh, okay. now. Okay. And so he's going to be moving on. He's been um, reappointed, and we're making it a full-time campus ministry. Uh So we're really excited, and Josh was willing to step into this challenge, but it's an exciting challenge.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, doing ministry by the beach, I mean, (laughs) I'm sure there's uh, tougher things out there to -hmm. to be doing.
0: Well, cool. So we'll kind of come back to campus ministry later in the podcast. Um, But first, I want to talk about the afterlife. Um, at least for me, that's like kind of the reason I feel like you believe in God is like, I want an eternal life with uh, God. I want to go to heaven. Uh, but like, I guess growing up in Sunday school, it was never, there was never really like a descriptive imagery of what God is or what heaven's going to be like. So the other day I was having this conversation with my wife and, uh, I was like, well, I was like, at least we'll be in heaven together. And she <laughs> was like, nope. She, well, maybe she said, maybe it wasn't that harsh, but it hurt. It hurt my heart a little bit. She was just like, well, like we really won't be married in heaven. And um, so that kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. But like, is that true? Is that something like, I guess that's her opinion. I want to get y'all's opinion on it too. Sorry, Hannah, to throw you under the bus.
2: Say we'll just Hannah is right in all accord. So we'll just there, there you go, go. there. I don't want to yeah. put yeah. Hannah on the spot there. But I don't know, for me, you know, I don't I don't know that there's a pearly gate. I don't know that there's an old man sitting on the bench waiting for his wife to come up. Uh, kind of heaven, uh, but it's a space in which we are eternally connected and surrounded by our God. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know that we, like, I don't know I'm going to be sitting there assuming that I go first, and I'm going to be sitting there waiting for my wife, mm-hmm. right? So that um, we take on this new presence, this new relationship uh, with our God and that that continual presence of being connected uh, in the afterlife.
1: Yeah, I, I very much agree. I think it would be shocking that God would want to take away the ways that we've learned to be more loving and... Um, be people fully, at least for me, I'm a more caring, more loving person because of the man I married, right? And I can't imagine that God would want to destroy a relationship that helped me to be a better pastor and to be a more faithful Christian. Um, So my understanding is more that we'll have a new interpretation of what it means to be married, or we will have a different understanding of what it means to be, you know, just people. We won't be in the same form or understand life in the same way.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. I guess I'm a very literal person. So like (laughs) when I'm thinking of heaven, I'm thinking of walking on clouds and there being milkshake fountains and all of the amazing things that were here on earth that, I mean, but at the same time, I haven't read, at least I don't think, or even heard from a pastor about what it's actually going to be kind of like in relation to what the Bible says. So can you guys shed a little bit of light on What the Bible says heaven's going to be I
1: watched a thing of the Bible Project. I I think I've probably mentioned it before on the podcast, but I would highly commend it to anybody um, who wants to learn a little bit more about heaven and earth, and they really pull from Scripture really well. They give you some – the graphics are really helpful to look at. But Jesus really complicates this question um, because Jesus talks about heaven being here and now. And so a favorite um, seminary quote you'll hear from anybody who's been um, in seminary is the already not yet, mm-hmm. that we're already experiencing heaven, but we're not in heaven yet. And and that just comes up over and over again. And um, the way that they explain it in the Bible project is really cool because they show how um, heaven and earth don't occupy the same places, but there are places where they meet. And in the person of Jesus, heaven is on earth and and so knowing Jesus, we fully encounter and can imagine what it is like to be in heaven, which is what happens um, with the sacraments, right? Like when we take Holy Communion together and we are fully united as Christ's body, we don't just, we're not just united with the people gathered or people taking communion, we're united with the great cloud of witnesses. And, and so that's a moment where heaven um, just kind of intercedes and inter, interjects itself into the world. Um so, there is this other that we will be after life. There's more to us than this now, um, but there's also these moments where heaven just breaks in, and you've experienced them before. you know you know what that's like it and sometimes it's you know, you're singing a song on worship and you just feel completely moved. but sometimes it's um on a mission trip with a youth watching them finally learn to hammer right hammer and nail right oh <laughs> you've been working you know for four days to get uh-huh. this kid to not injure themselves or anyone around them and they finally do it right and they're helping somebody and their life is transformed in this moment where they've done something like um, so heaven is is kind of all around us and we encounter it all the time um, and the end times the the big end times is when um, this idea that heaven and earth come back together, like in the the Garden of Eden. and So these two realms that seem completely separate come on top of each other. If you could see my hands, I'm putting my mm-hmm. hands separate and now on top of each other. Um, and so that's kind of this idea of heaven and earth. And I think that's an important image for us to have.
0: So I'm just going to kind of active listen this. I've, I'm learning how to active listen. Um, <laughs> so you're kind of saying that like, if you were to have like, let's say realms, because you said realms, like if you had like earth and then heaven, they kind of be on top of each other, but you can't see, it's almost like, does that make any sense? Like you can't Do quite just like fly over to heaven. You like, can't yeah. quite see it. Well, cause I feel like a lot of, I mean, pop culture and TV and movies oh, yeah. have always been, you go up. Right. So it's like, it's past
2: space. And they talk and about
1: that on the Bible project.
0: Oh, they do? Okay. I'll check out the Bible Project. If you're yeah, listening, I highly recommend that,
2: it. The Bible Project. Yeah, it's incredible, especially yeah. for youth groups and, and mm-hmm. oh, yeah. even young adults. And is this, is adult this on a YouTube groups. series? Yes. Is, okay. Yeah. They cool. put out some good stuff. But I'll So I've it found it's easier for me to talk like to my congregation about heaven as thinking about the kingdom of God. Hmm. I and mean, we find that language a lot throughout the scriptures, this idea of our work as the church is bringing about the kingdom of God. And this idea of the already not yet, that there are kingdom moments, right? There are heaven moments that we experience, um, like the kid who manages (laughs) to not hurt themselves and and perfects hammering a nail. Uh, But those spaces in which you get to build relationships and you find these connections and you find these spaces in which you're truly being the church. Those are those kingdom moments that we, we see the work of the church. You know, that idea of sanctifying grace, that, we are each moving on to perfection. Well, that same work is the work of the church, moving the church towards perfection, yeah. and that looks like bringing about the kingdom of God.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Now, I've, I now I'm going to ask a question. It's A very serious question, and a lot of people want to know it. Do dogs go to heaven? Yes. I hope so. <laughs> or do they have their own heaven?
1: No, dogs no. are dogs are with us. Okay, but all pets. Sure, why not? Okay. I
0: don't know about snakes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess scripturally, snakes aren't <laughs> the best of friends. Maybe not.
1: Yeah. So, another podcast, also from folks in our conference, argues that dogs do not go to heaven, and they just their podcast posted um, this past Sunday, and I was talking with these two um, clergy, and I very much disagree with their <laughs> their interpretation.
2: Are they cat people? Is that, is no. Oh, okay. All right.
1: And just... they have dogs. I I'm very concerned.
0: Are you allowed to plug, uh, tell us what podcast this is? No. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> this is a not safe for work podcast, even though it is by two of our clergy in the conference. Okay. Oh, I do listen to it. Um, not at work. You will know that I, they talk about me. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll get the references if okay. you listen to them. Check He's them making notes over here.
2: Cut this portion out. <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> it all stays in.
1: So, uh, but they are two and, uh, I'll give you a hint. They're two of our campus ministers. Okay. Um, so you can hang out with them and um, enjoy the show. Um, but one of the things as they were talking about it that I realized is that I fully 100% believe that dogs go to heaven. Um, and I think that's because I think about this idea of in at the very end, heaven and earth are united again. And I cannot imagine a heaven and earth being united again, when God cares even for the sparrow, that God would not care for, mm-hmm. you know, a dog, or a cat, especially because um, when we think about our pets, sometimes those of us who've had pets know that we learn to love through them, and they have taught us grace. Sometimes they they give us way more grace than we know how to give ourselves. Or they teach you patience. Or patience, and well,
2: and if you think about it. We think about the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. and we think about the creation narrative. Yeah. I mean, God created yeah. animals. So why would it be, I guess, preposterous to think that there are animals with us in heaven?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I mean, I'm all for having yeah. pets in heaven. There's a couple of dogs that I can't wait to play fetch with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to flip it just a little bit of, uh, you know, there's a heaven.
0: We have to talk about, if we're talking about the afterlife, we have to talk about hell as well. Um, Cause that's something that's interesting to me. We, we've talked about the devil and demons and all that kind of stuff on this podcast, yeah. but we haven't really talked about hell and where hell kind of plays into scripture. And um, is it, is it something that is talked about in scripture often? Or is it something that's like men- maybe mentioned once or twice? Um, and if it is mentioned, is it like how we think it like, at least I think of it as like fire and brimstone, mm-hmm. eternal torture stuff like that the way the pop culture makes it look mm-hmm.
1: uh, I have, there's one scripture that I think you have to go to uh, this is me um, it's Matthew 25 and hang on I'm scrolling to it because I want to get it just right but this is the only time in the Bible where it tells you who is gonna go to hell the only place in the Bible um, there are other things that talk about hell but this is the only place where it tells you it's the judgment of the nations it's Matthew 25. Um, and Jesus is telling a parable about the Son of Man, and when the Son of Man comes, what will happen? And um, Jesus separates the sheep from the goats, and the, the goats are the ones that are going to hell, and they are going to hell. You can look down um, and kind of scroll through the scripture if you're looking at it on your computer or flip through the pages um, in your Bible. Um, but the people who go to hell are the ones who did not... Um, provide a drink for the thirsty or give food to the hungry, didn't welcome the stranger, uh-oh, um, <laughs> didn't offer clothing to the naked, care for the sick, visit those in prison. Um, it's, it's pretty harsh to hear. Um, mm-hmm. But when you didn't care for others, you didn't care for God. And in for, verse 46, Matthew 25, 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment, so that's it. The eternal punishment is for those who didn't care for God's people.
0: That's interesting. And, like, <laughs> so if I'm just going to blurt out the first thing that comes to my mind is, like, the people who are hanging out on the stoplight corner. Yeah. Is it? Is it, now, I guess as literal as if we we're going to take the scripture, is it something where if, if I don't give this guy $5, <laughs> is that not meeting the, what the are requirements? requirements I guess because mm. that I mean I feel like I'm a very not fearful person but at the same time in my head which is a terrible place to be sometimes I think of when I hear scripture like that of oh no I didn't give this guy my five dollar gift card to Starbucks because that's all I had in my wallet I thought about it but I didn't like is that something that would potentially could send me to hell if we're listening to this scripture
1: but,
0: well, I mean, <laughs> I
2: know it's kind of a, a really I mean, hard, dark question.
1: This. I'll say this and then I'll stop. But grace.
2: Yeah. Uh, yes. Amen. There it is. Go ahead and preach, Nikki. Just, oh, no, just no. go no. ahead. No. <laughs> go. I, for me, I, if I'm being honest, I have a hard time believing in hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Especially as a, as a literal place. Because mm-hmm. we talk about grace. And especially for us as United Methodists, we've got a threefold form of grace, and we've got right. grace mm-hmm. upon grace upon grace. Yes. And I have a hard time, believe, even for those who have completely turned themselves away from God, want nothing to do with faith whatsoever. I have a hard time believing that when we die, that God's grace ends there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that yeah. for me, just kind of a jump off point there that, I have a hard time believing. I mean, for some of our folks, they may believe that unless you profess Christ as your Lord and Savior, you ain't getting it. Mm-hmm. You're out. And that, for me, my immediate response to them is, I have a hard time believing that Gandhi's in hell. Right. Right? Gandhi said Jesus is a great guy, but I don't know that I'm going to hang out with him. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Paraphrasing a little bit there. but Yeah. So, Yeah, again, just as that jump off point, the start Mm -hmm. thinking about hell, I have a hard time believing um, that we can't receive God's grace um, after we die. In some ways, I think maybe we receive a little more grace. Yeah. Yeah. But to answer your question, I don't know that um, not handing out a Starbucks gift card is what's (laughs) going to send you to hell. Yeah. Uh, Now, maybe yelling at the guy and telling him to go get a job and you're you're lazy because You've brought yourself. You've humbled yourself into a place in which you're going to sit on a corner and beg for money. Mm-hmm. I think those people that drive by and say "get a job, loser," I think those 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 are folks who uh, may get a stern talking to. <laughs> yeah, but you know the only the only way I see hell being uh, a real place is full of mosquitoes and sharks. It's oh, just. Who sharks do? Uh, I don't know. Mosquitoes. Though. I guess you yeah, 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 mosquitoes, mosquitoes. mosquitoes yeah. and
0: snakes, maybe. Okay. Well, yeah, well, sharks are like change. the dogs of the ocean. Yeah, sure. You'll start to sure. love them.
1: <laughs> so, this is my take on hell. I, w- I would say I don't not believe in hell, but I struggle to believe in hell, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, for me, because God gives us free will, if there is somebody who wants to spend eternity apart from God, I don't think God would deny them that. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that would be hell. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm okay with that concept of hell, is that this eternal distancing apart from God um, that someone chose. And I think I I don't know what that means or what that looks like or practically like um, how that works, but I do think that because we – we believe in free will, and God is a God that gives us free will. Um, choice. People are allowed to choose, and that's okay. Even if I don't want them to choose. Even if I want to choose for them and tell them, no, you want to be with God. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't want to be. Um,
0: no, I'm going to show my humanity and selfishness a little bit here. But I guess thinking about what you guys have said, it's like if, if it's something where like if it's there's no hell and that God gives us grace all the way, I guess in my head, it's like, I don't want to be hanging out with Tyler Bundy in heaven. Like all of the the crazy people who have have like actively broken commandments and like murdered people and done Mm -hmm. evil things. I guess in my head, I'm thinking like, I don't know. Like selfishly, I would say, I don't know if I would want them to go to heaven, but I know it's not my call. And I guess that's the humanity side of me is like, I have to. In my head, I'm. I believe there's a like consequence for certain actions. Sorry, I dropped my Bible. Um, but to your point, Joshua, of like they're not
2: being a hell. I, I have a hard time believing that one. Um, yeah, and I think I would. I would agree with Nikki that I mean there is, there is that choice to be eternally separated from God, that we make. But I don't think. God makes that decision. I think there are actions here on earth like naming people. I think Hitler made a choice to be right. actively separated from God. And so I would believe in that space, but I, I I just I don't know that that God has created a space for eternal punishment. Right. But we have chosen in our free will to be separated from God's goodness.
0: Okay. Okay. So I I, so I would
2: yeah. I would pers- again this is all a part of the mystery of faith, right? We don't right. really yeah. know what things look like until we get there.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's so. really interesting. And, and kind of to wrap this section up and bringing it kind of back to the heaven part of like, you know, you, I've read stories of like people who have died and be resuscitated and saying like, oh, I saw a light, I saw heaven. Like when I read those stories, not that I'm like itching to go there at the moment, but like it gets kind of exciting to hear the stories of it's beautiful and I got to see Jesus and all this kind of stuff. And I just, it brings hope and joy to me to know that there is something after this that is amazing and beautiful and just all like awe-strucking, If that makes any sense.
1: Well, and I think for me, I go back to again and again, Romans eight, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. And so I think There, even in the unknown, nothing, not even death, will separate us from God's love. And um, the unknown is scary, but God's love will prevail. And that is the story we tell over and over again. So there is joy and hope and beauty and justice, uh, and we await it eagerly. And we work towards it every day. Mm -hmm. Because we're building the kingdom, too.
0: Yeah. And I'm kind of, like, talking about the heaven and, like, Nikki, what what you were talking about with, like, how heaven's kind of here and you can kind of feel it every once in a while. Yeah. I That's something that, like, definitely resonates with me because there's times where I'm one of those people that I go camping and that's, like, my time to, like, spend with God. Mm-hmm. Typically when I'm in church, it's I, – I, I haven't felt that in a really long time in church, like, in a building. But when I go out to, like – there's one, one specific example I'll share really briefly – is my freshman year of college. I went on a backpacking trip with a bunch of strangers, and it was so much fun. I met some of my best friends. Um, I know that doesn't sound like a lot of fun for a lot of people, but we went to this one part in uh, North Carolina called Panthertown Valley. There's a mountain there that's completely bald on the top, and it's called Tranquility Point. And we went <coughs> on a new moon, and the stars were out. The gout, like you could wow. see the Milky Way, and it was one of those times where like I like physically felt god's existence and mm-hmm. like if that's what heaven is like i cannot wait it's so exciting and that's just one of those times where like you're talking about like what you think heaven is like you okay nikki <laughs> i
1: don't know my throat's really dry <coughs> uh, okay
2: but okay so i shared that um
1: i don't have covid <laughs>
2: <laughs> no but i i do think so there are moments in which we experience heaven mm-hmm. right we, we experience kingdom. like for me there's a a family cabin that my grandfather built down in in Dayton, Virginia. And there's this great spot that's at my neighbor's cabin where you can uh, sit and look down into the valley and you see all the farmland and you see the cities and you can see Massanutten Mm -hmm. in the background. And way off, if it's not a a foggy day or a hazy day, you can see the other side of the mountain range. Mm -hmm. And it's just absolutely breathtaking. And there are times that I just get up there and sit and be still. And those are the times that for me being in nature experience God yeah. and God's goodness in those moments. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, and I have similar experiences. My grandfather owns, I mean, it's a mountain that he owns actually. It's in, um, the big bend area of Texas and, um, he and his brothers own, his brothers own the two little mountains next to him and he owns the middle one. And, um, it sounds like it's really cool. It's, it's not that much land. Um, I know but anyone. when you all right, Sam, <laughs> no, I have a right. conversation with my
2: grandfather you just got a cabin there's people out here with the uh, whole mountains. All right, <laughs> yeah
1: and it's I mean it's way out there's nothing around and it is just pitch black at night and if you catch it when there's not a full moon you can see the Milky Way clearly and that mm-hmm. that is a whole other experience to, mm-hmm. to actually see the Milky Way um, and to be able to see like the line like the line through the sky I mean that's yeah.
2: So what I'm hearing is like a campus minister's retreat yes. uh, that we can go down and just do a big planning. Yeah, let's for, go to Texas. Uh, there we go. Hanging out on the mountain. There we go. It's yeah. owned. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's see, awesome. Let's see I want to open to that. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, so we're going to kind of transition into our weird Bible story, and this is a weird one, um, and I'll need you guys' help a little bit because I didn't do as much research as I probably should. Um, but it is 1 Samuel chapter 5, and it's a specific verse, is 6, and I'll read it really quickly. It is, then the Lord's heavy hand struck the people of Ashdod, right, Ashdod, mm-hmm. all right, and nearby villages with a plague of tumors. And, and I'll, Nikki, I'll let you give a little bit of context to what's going on, because um, I didn't do my due diligence a little bit. So I'm so excited about
1: this. This is one of those things that, like, I didn't read up on well enough in seminary, but I enjoyed reading about um, uh, now. And so, um, this is part of what they call the arc narrative. And um, what's really interesting about it is that, like, if you read if you read First Samuel, like, one through five it almost sounds like you're reading something out of um, Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Like, it feels like it's Game of Thrones. Like, it's really weird. Dagon? Yeah, I know. Dagon is the name of this god, and um, it's the Philistine god, and there's this portrait of of Dagon, and they place the Ark next to it, and when they go to check on the Ark, I guess, in the morning, um, his portrait is fallen over, like it's bowing down to the Ark, and then... They come in the next day, and (laughs) Dagon's head and hands have been cut off and are now over the threshold of the temple. Like, it's, like, very weird. Mm -hmm. And then that's when the tumors start happening. (laughs) So um, I just think it's a totally fascinating story, Um, and one that, like, I don't know that I would ever think about preaching on, but why not preach on something that feels like it's out of Game of Thrones?
0: Yeah, it's entertaining. It's to say it the is least. an
1: entertaining story. Yeah.
0: So I guess, real quickly, explaining me what the ark is. For those who are listening who don't know what the ark is, like me,
1: that's where God is. God okay. is in the ark.
0: Okay, so it's not like a boat. No. Like no, in the ark. <laughs> it's very confusing. It
1: is very confusing. I don't know. You see it depicted as like a box with like angels on it or something. And
2: yeah, and ordained in gold and. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I think we see very clearly here that, I mean, the ark was made of nuclear material, so there's radiation, there's your there tumors, you and it was just the priests <laughs> that wore lead apparel, and they just were, they just knew all about that. That's why none of the Israelites got tumors, but these folks did, so I was just a little, as as I was yeah. reading it, I was like, this it just did. sounds like something, like, this is where the Hulk comes from, like, yeah. the Hulk <laughs> got too close to the ark, and...
1: Yeah,
0: it's interesting i like to really think of
2: Chernobyl. You're right, yeah. I yeah. Mean, that's
1: what it's, it's freaky. Um,
0: yeah,
2: I don't ever find myself wanting to preach on this.
1: Well, and uh, I will tell you, if you read it, um, just uh, so you know, it says that Dagon was there, but it, it was not. Like when we, what we understand about who Dagon was, the, this god that was kind of created, um, it may actually be a Semitic god, but they, they give credit to it. I see, I did some research. They did credit to it as a Canaanite god also. And so, um, anyway, it, it is actually a picture of Dagon. It's a portrait of Dagon, hmm. um, not like an actual fake god thing. But they they believe Dagon was a, a god and was the god of the Philistines.
0: So I guess that brings up my, a, a thought that comes to my mind when we're talking about other gods and, like, Dagon and stuff. Is there a chance that there is multiple gods and that we just worship God? they say with a giant question mark
1: not (laughs) as christians and christians do not believe that
0: okay that's what i thought i just wanted to make sure because like there's a few parts like where we talk about dagon and then i mean if you go back to the story of egypt and the egyptians believe in yeah ra set anubis and all those Mm -hmm. different gods is that one of those like i don't want to say you're right we're or we're right you're wrong kind of things but is it kind of like a we're right you're wrong
2: So I think it's interesting that, for me, when we think about God, we have the three main faiths, the Jewish faith, the Christian faith, and the Muslim faith, who all believe in the same God. Mm -hmm. They Just some have different names uh, for the same God. And so I would imagine, as we think about our other religions and other faiths, and this, um, at least for me, while they may have multiple names, to me, I think they're getting back to the same God. Mm-hmm. It just may be that they have all these different names for this God who's been present in their lives, who is our God. So we believe in a monotheistic God. There's one. Yeah. Now we have the Trinity, the three in one, one in three, which can get very confusing yeah. when you try to explain to someone who is non-Christian and unfamiliar with any of that kind of language. Uh, mm-hmm. Because as soon as you say, well, we're monotheistic; we believe in one God. But let me tell you about the Holy Spirit, the <laughs> Father, and Jesus. Yeah. What? Yeah.
1: yeah. It is confusing. So there, there is this concept, um, and I, it's not something that I that I would say I'm against, but it's universalism, and it's this idea that that God um, is is God even in like you know. Um, in Hinduism, where there's all these gods, God is still God there as well. So the same God that I believe in, and even though they believe in hundreds of gods, it's Thousands the same thing. Months, yeah. So that's universalism.
0: Wait, so now universal universalism is kind of the belief of that our God is amongst, like in their minds, is amongst the other gods, or is could be one of the gods of the Hindu. If we're talking our about God, Hinduism,
1: it would be the belief that. They have multiple gods. We have one God. It's all the same. Mm -hmm. All the same. So there, you know, hundreds and hundreds are incorporated into R1. R1 is incorporated into their hundreds and hundreds. And I actually have, um, there is a retired clergy in our conference whose wife um, is from India and was Hindu and stayed Hindu most of his career and then found a church and felt like she knew God already even in her Hindu understanding mm-hmm. of God, and became Christian, became United Methodist. And this was after they'd been married like 20 plus years. She was like, yeah, okay, I get God now. I'm ready. And that was, she, she didn't feel for her it was a conversion. It was just a different understanding of God for mm-hmm. her. And so that is universalism. Mm-hmm. Um, that's and not that something we talk about, though, as Methodists. We, we
2: believe right. in one God. Right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> One God. This and is our God.
2: So, I mean, to bring it back scripturally... We think about Jesus saying that there are many paths to the Father. Yeah. Right? They all come through me. And I think Jesus in that moment is talking as mm-hmm. God, not as right. humanity. Yeah. And so, I, again, we don't talk about universalism that way, but I can, I can see it and, and understand it and can kind of believe in it in a way that yeah. there are many mm-hmm. paths to God. Uh, they all lead to Jesus or they all lead to, um, to God. That's interesting. I might be and getting this, myself in a lot of trouble in the a, theology committee. Uh,
1: hey, <laughs> hey, we're not through yet. We got, if you're, we got on the, another, uh, you're
2: on the Board years. of Ordained Ministry, don't listen to this. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. So <laughs> Everyone knows that this
0: is mostly just speculation and, and fun conversation. Yeah, there you go. No one so gets in trouble, hopefully. This
1: connects <laughs> us, though, to Dagon <laughs> and to the tumors. Um, because the Israelites were certainly struggling with this, and... The Philistines believed that they had the most powerful God because they conquered the Israelites, Mm -hmm. and they took the ark, and so they had God. And the message of this story, um, of this whole ark narrative, is that you can't capture and you can't control our God, and that even as um, the Israelites are defeated, God is not. God is still in power. And I think what would be, the what happens is that the, it's not enough for God just to control Dagon. God is going to take down the Philistines too. And God is that powerful. And so what I wondered about in terms of the tumors and Dagon being, um, I guess, (laughs) dismantled, dismembered, Mm -hmm. um, what I wondered about is what God's eye hold up and put God next to. Like, Mm -hmm. what are the things that rule my life? Um,
0: Yourself, At least my cell <laughs> phone, right? Or Facebook, <laughs> or yeah. as it is.
1: Instagram, or um, I don't know the things that that God that I forget that God has power over. Um,
0: so, if we're talking about like, God, that's why
1: I'd preach it, by the way.
0: Okay, so if but if we were talking like about that. if God like because God's punishing these people with tumors, right? i I'm understanding that kind of correctly.
1: I don't even know if I'd say it was punishment. I think God is showing God is all powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. But wouldn't you think that he just smite them and, and make <laughs> it over quick with. and easy? I feel like tumors is a really long, painful way to go.
1: Well, one of the things, one of the commentaries I read was that, that there was just, they blamed any kind of plague or pandemic um, on God. Oh yeah. And so this may have been something happening to the people at the time, and this was the only way to explain it.
2: And that mm-hmm. is very relevant, I feel like, to today. <laughs> God didn't cause COVID. Right, right. But I I think this is also an opportunity for the writer to share the powerfulness of God. Mm -hmm. And I think there's an opportunity in this. So in some ways I think you can describe it as punishment, but I think it is God proving God's powerfulness. And in a way, for those Philistines and those who have gotten tumors, a way to see God's strength and maybe even a way to... Turn away from their sinfulness. I don't. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess if you, I mean, if I was bringing it back to smiting versus tumors. At least right. it doesn't. It's not instant, so you do have the chance to potentially, right? There's still a chance for redemption. Yeah, you could turn around and be like, okay, sorry, I guys, take this back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's kind of move into our last section, which is pastoral advice. And um, today we're going to be talking about transitions. And specifically, in my head, we would talk about college, like high school to college transition, um, because we have Joseph, Joshua. I am Thank terrible you. with hey, names. Hey, I like Joseph. That <laughs> sounds good, too. Um,
2: Somebody I Somebody else called you Joseph today, though. It was I, think I think oh, that's what happened. Well, I think like, I heard hmm. someone call you
0: Joseph it's when right. you got here, and I think ever since then, I've been... Really, really scared to call you the wrong
2: name. (laughs) I've had I had a couple members in my first congregation that called me John for about six months. Oh no! Until they finally saw it, like we use screens in worship, and they saw Reverend Joshua Macaulay. They were like, "We thought your name was John," and I I never corrected them. So I was (laughs) like, "It's my first appointment. I don't want to tick anybody off." Right. Well, cool. So let's
0: just real quick. I'm going to ask, what advice would you give someone who is on the way to college and and what would your advice be for them to find, to help them find the campus ministry that might fit where they feel they would belong?
2: If that makes any sense. Yeah. The first thing I would say is get out of your room. If you're living in a dorm room, don't stay there your first semester. You're going to get homesick. You're going to be miserable. Get out of your room, meet people, get connected, um, go and, and try new things. Like there's, there's so many clubs and activities that happen on all of our campuses. Find something uh, and get connected with it. They're, I think the biggest mistake folks can make is thinking that they have to have the same interests in college that they had in high school. And so if those interests aren't reflected on campus, then they just have to sit in their room and do nothing. Mm-hmm. This is a great opportunity to explore new things. I found Ultimate Frisbee. There you go.
0: That And yeah. that's how I get. I ended up going to RUF while I was in school. So Reformed University Fellowship, I think is what RUF stands for. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the dom- denomination was, but it was a place where I could go on Wednesday nights and... It was reformed. If it was
1: reformed, then it was, so it was Protestant.
0: But But we played Ultimate Frisbee, and that's how I (laughs) met all of the guys who went to RUF, and then I went to RUF with them. So I think you're right. I think getting out of the room is definitely um, helpful. My campus (laughs) ministry
1: played dodgeball. I mean, that was like Mm. our thing. And we won. Love to play We won intramural dodgeball. We were awesome. Do you have the t-shirt still to prove it? I do. I still have the (laughs) t-shirt.
2: We did stuff at at Shenandoah with Spiritual Life with a lot of... uh, the rec sports. And yeah, I got to tell you, Justin Allen is one of the <laughs> most like humble and great folks. You get him on a softball field, that man completely changes. <laughs> he is super competitive, uh, which didn't work well. And you had uh, like myself and Nick Ruxton and a couple of other folks on the team who were like bringing Oreos to the games and just <laughs> like hanging out in the, in the locker room, just eating Oreos and milk before we went out and played a softball game. So, so
1: I, in terms of transitions though, what I would Mm -hmm. say is if you're a high school student, you're getting ready to go on to college, um, give yourself a break and don't spend a lot of time worrying about getting it right. And I mean, don't worry about getting it right. Even in the university that you choose or choosing community college, like it's going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. Even if you end up at the wrong place, there are options, um, to get you on the right track. And what I learned in my time in undergrad and um, and the experiences that I had was that even when I made a misstep, God was going to find a way. And and so give yourself a break and let go of the need to get it perfectly right. You have to go. like So I've been watching the Gilmore Girls again, right? She Gilmore. has to Rory, – Rory has to go to Harvard, and she doesn't end up at Harvard. And it's okay, and she still figures it out. And then, like – or did she end up at Yale and everything gets screwed up and she like is out for like, I don't know, a semester, or a year or whatever. And, and then she ends up back and everything ends up okay and she gets her degree. Like it's okay. So give yourself a break. Um, and then the other thing is find your United Methodist Campus Ministry. So I'm going to really tell you, go mm-hmm. go to the United Methodist Campus Ministries. And this is why. There are a lot of non-denominational campus ministries that are not going to be welcoming and affirming of people who are different. And that can be really harmful to students. And what we found in United Methodist Campus Ministries in this conference is that we have students going to, and I won't name them all, but they're big name campus ministries that have lots of staff. And I mean, they've got 20 staff members at our Mm -hmm. large campuses and they're doing all kinds of things and, At first when you enter into them it you feel like you're being welcomed and you're getting into these small groups and there's hundreds of people at worship with you and you feel like this can be a really welcoming space but you find out really quickly that if you're different most likely what's gonna happen is you're gonna be asked to change or you're gonna be rejected Mm -hmm. and so we find that we have these students who are recovering from trauma caused Mm -hmm. by non-denominational campus ministries and so get connected to your United Methodist campus ministry. And if there's not a United Methodist campus ministry, there's probably an ecumenical one, which is what the Reformed one you're talking Mm -hmm. about. It was probably an ecumenical campus ministry. And those Protestant denominations that are well-established will have pretty clear theology. And almost all of them, except for United Methodists, um, will be able to tell you what they believe about um, being fully inclusive and welcoming Um, Because they've already been through that fight. You know, United Methodists, we're still working through it. But um, you'll be able to be in a place where you know that you'll be welcomed and that your friends and family will be welcomed. And that's one thing that we see people really struggling with is that um, their friend comes out and they can no longer be in their small group with them or that they confess to one of their leaders and they're in leadership roles by this point. They tell one of their leaders, I'm gay or they tell one of their leaders, my sister's gay. And their leaders tell them, you can't be part of us anymore. And so they lose their entire friend group because that's what happens with a lot of these non-denominational campus, um, campus ministries is that they pull you in and you lose all your other friends. Um, And it's, it has been traumatic. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what you'll hear over and over again from our campus ministers is the healing work that they have to do in somebody's junior and senior year um, to recover from some of this. And so, please find your United Methodist campus ministries. And you can go to our website right now, um, org backslash learning. And if you click on that, you'll be able to say, you know, you're going to this university and you want to get connected with this campus minister. And, and we can do that for you. There's a form you can fill out right now on the website.
2: So yeah. Right. And I would say, I mean, if you're still exploring schools, old dominions right by the beach. So come on down and you get to hang out with him. Yeah. You yeah. to come hang out with me and, something that I will say, thinking about transitions, and this might be weird coming from a future campus minister, college isn't for everybody Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And I think if if you're unsure about like, I I don't know that I want to go to college, like I really want to work on trucks. And so going to trade school, if that's, if that is where God is calling you, if that's what you feel like your purpose is, Mm -hmm. explore it. Don't, don't feel like you have to go to college just because that's what you're hearing from all your other friends mm-hmm. or, and forgive me parents, even if it's your parents that are pushing you to say you have to go to college, that may not be your path. I mean, thinking about uh, for my own family, like I'm the first male in my family to get a master's degree. So college and higher education was a part of my journey of wanting to become a pastor. My brother, uh, has always loved tinkering with motors, and so he went and got a um, went to trade school, and loves doing what he does. Mm-hmm. And it it didn't take him to go to a four year university um, to get that fulfillment and purpose. And for some folks, it's going to a military, and we thank you for your service. And there are folks who want to go straight into the workforce, and that's okay too. Uh, in in those settings, I say. Get in touch with your chaplain. Find a a local congregation. Find those ways that you can connect with other folks.
1: Mm -hmm. One of my most successful youth and stories of a youth um, is one who grew up in the church always hearing about ASP, finally was old enough to go, went to ASP for four years and said, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I want to build homes for people. And so when he graduated, he talked to all these different people, like how, who can I intern with and do a study with to learn to start building homes. And then he got a huge grant um, from DeWalt to buy all of these tools. And so he, like I mean, it was like thousands and thousands of dollars to stack like all his tools and he's got all these fancy tools. And so um, now he works and he he took one business class at the community college and is building homes. And now he goes on ASP every year with his big truck filled with tools that he can share with youth. And um, it's an incredible witness that there is more for God. There is more that God can do with you, whether you choose to go to college or not. Mm-hmm. God's going to keep doing stuff and calling you. And um, that was he's just a really cool kid, and so he's doing great work. And um, he's college age, but is is still working and serving.
2: Yeah, but if college is for you, find your United Methodist campus ministry because we'd love to have you. And if you're a pastor that's listening to this, if you have students that are going to college, call those campus ministers and let them know those students are coming. The only way we can get connected to students is if our pastors are telling us that they're coming our way.
0: I would have never thought about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that I have to say, and I say this as a campus minister's daughter And I say this as in a kind of weird supervisory role now with campus ministers and as somebody who has been a campus minister, um, pastors need to support campus ministries Mm -hmm. because campus ministries can often feel like lone islands of ministry and your campus ministers and the campus ministers in our conference need the local churches help to succeed, um, Funding is always shrinking for campus ministries, and campus ministries are a mission of the church, and they're a calling from the origins of our church. John Wesley was a campus minister. And so um, when we talk about campus ministry, we really need to remember this is a mission of the church and of the United Methodist Church and the Virginia Conference. And so if you're truly committed to being a missional pastor and serving, then you need to get connected with the campus ministry that's closest to you. And that's just a phone call or an email or walking into the office um, and meeting the campus minister that's closer than you and saying, what can I do to help? And it may be, look, I need two grocery cards to get some students through the week so that they can have groceries. Do you have two $25 grocery cards? And Most churches can do that. And it may be, hey, I need a week off from preaching um, on our Thursday afternoon, you know, service do you want to come in and preach? Or it may be uh, leading a small group or a Bible study, or it may be, hey, we we need a clothing drive, we need a food can drive, we need um or we we need somebody to make a meal and just come in and cook a meal for us. Or or it may even be, we need an HVAC repaired. Is there anybody in your congregation <laughs> who can do that work? We need we need the toilet sealed properly in our building. <laughs> Josh just found out about this. And you have a plumber at your church who can come in and help. Praise God.
0: Mm. Cool. Well, so uh, we're going to wrap up here. One thing I like to do at the end is I like to give you guys both a a chance to plug something you have going on. Um, So I'll let you go first. Joshua, I know you're going to ODU. Is there
2: anything you have coming up that you can get people excited about? Uh, So we're going to be doing a whole lot of work to the building down at ODU. And so... Uh, the one thing I'll plug is that as I get down there, we're going to be needing some hands and some feet in order to to move some things, to do some painting, to get pine needles up that are taking over parking spaces uh, and just uh, put some love into the space that is going to be used to hopefully bring the church onto the campus of ODU. Yeah.
0: Cool. What about you, Nikki? Got anything going on in your office?
1: Yeah. So of course I want to, plug the great work that Josh is getting ready to launch himself into. Um, But I have to say all of our Wesley foundations, and those are our campus ministries, our United Methodist Campus Ministries that have buildings. All of our Wesley foundations need help with their buildings. All the buildings, um, almost all of them have students living in them. And some of them are in disrepair and they just need somebody to come out and be able to work on an HVAC or They need somebody who is, they need a UMW group that's willing to come in and sort and clean through junk that has built up over the past 50 years. Like just somebody who's willing to do some of the easy work and some of the hard work and there's a lot that needs to be done. So um, our campus ministries need help. And if you want to get connected to campus ministry, you can email me at learning at vaumc.org and I will absolutely respond and help you get connected. But The other thing I'd say is please let us know about your college students that are going on to college so we can get them connected. And you can do that on the website. There is a form available. All you have to do is put in your students. Or if you have, like, 20 students and you want to tell me about all of them, um, send us an Excel file with their contact information and um, what university they're going to. And even if they're not going to a university in Virginia there are Wesley foundations across the country and we can get them connected to campus ministers outside of the conference as well. So let us know so we can help them get connected.
0: Awesome. So this is our ninth episode Our 10th episode will be next week. um, And that will be our series uh, season finale, if you will. Um, So stay tuned for next week. We're going to be crowdsourcing our questions. So it'll be a little bit differently formatted than we typically do um, and then after our 10th episode we're going to take a small break and come back with season two of a thousand question Christian christians so mickey joshua thank you so much for uh, coming on today and talking with us about heaven uh hell tumors and transitions thanks for having us
2: thanks